It's the Thought Eater, Thought Eater, Thought Eater RPG Show. It's the Thought Eater, Thought Eater, Thought Eater RPG Show. We've got blogs. Well, that's it. Got the map of the week. Adventures in art. Le Chadron Comatique. Oui, oui. It's the Thought Eater, Thought Eater, Thought Eater RPG Show. It's the Thought Eater RPG Show. Welcome to the Thought Eater Thought Pass. <laughs> oh, what is up, everybody? It is Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you are doing well. Welcome again to another Hump Day RPG show, weekly show where we take a stroll around the DIY blogosphere, xenosphere, cartographer. We look at a bunch of cool stuff, basically. A bunch of cool RPG stuff, blogs, zines, maps, free stuff. And I talk about it here on the podcast, and then I put up all the links that we discuss over at the Thought Eater blog. So just Google Thought Eater blog and check that out. If you're a blogger, slap it on your blog roll. Do it. Thank you. And I am excited about this show. I think it's a really good one. Now, the content, content's always good, but I think we've got a really good theme that's going to be kind of running through this show, and that theme is innovation. I have Mark Reed from the Noble Dwarf Printing Company on as a special guest this week. And amongst other things, they do 3D printing. And so they come by to talk about their new Kickstarter. And we also talk a lot about 3D printing, not only how that affects things in gaming, but also where that's going to be going, you know, over the next years and decades and the ways that, that can kind of change things. That led me to deciding for the final topic, that and some other things that kind of came up talking about innovation in gaming. So there's kind of an innovation theme sort of permeating, meandering through the show today. So, plus all the regular stuff. And uh, so I'm excited about it. I think there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. I know I might say this often, but I, I really think that the content is good this week. Uh, but first, got a couple call-ins. First couple you're going to hear, I was happy to hear from Ivy the Happy Whisk. And, and, uh, um, you know, I haven't talked to Ivy in a while. I hope Ivy's been doing well. And then, uh, Jason from nerds, RPG variety cast, you know, um, he's forgotten more about RPGs than I might ever, I might ever learn. Anyway, they're both calling it about two of the recent five minute Fridays. Now, I don't know what, what it is. I mean, I guess I know what it is. This show is way more popular than five minute Friday, but five minute Friday is really short. So if you like this, Listen to the Five Minute Friday show. They only take a few minutes, but they're talking about the past couple of shows. Whisk is calling in about the advice from a four-year-old on D&D, and then Jason's calling in about last week's, where I was sharing three RPG tips that I learned. You know, for any RPG that I learned from watching superhero movies, and uh, those tips, uh, if I can remember them, let's see. One is give your character some kind of flaw or weakness. Two, uh, consider, you know, working some kind of fallout from major, you know, from character actions into your games. And then three, uh, kind of utilize, you know, political and maybe organized religious sentiment in your games. Uh, There's ways to kind of milk that 
for good RPG fodder. But anyway, go back and listen to that if you haven't. But let's listen to the call-ins from them real quick. I saw this when you posted it on MeWe, and I loved the three, the 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 four-year-old saying, "No, make sure you know the numbers, all the numbers on your dice. It's just, it's very important, <laughs> and it's true. Great, I loved it. I love reading that. Very very funny. Hey, Froth, great job on how to pull things from the superhero movies into your games. And, ha- you know, you're, you're just watching those movies, enjoying them, but it just shows, you know, there's so much you can pull from other media, whether it's interesting NPCs or interesting situations or, like you say, just ways to, you know, complications and, you know, ways to make it a little more interesting. So, wonderful episode. I'm talking about the fr- Five Minute Friday. Keep up the great work. Great to hear from y'all. And, yeah, so Whisk is making reference. One of the four-year-olds tips you know D D tip says you got to know the numbers on the dice <laughs> so <laughs> and that was a tip not only for players but also gms you know you've got to know the numbers on the dice i mean that's you, you got to know it if you don't know what an 11 is you're going to have trouble with your d12 so and uh <clears throat> yeah jason something i was thinking about it made me you know being someone that's a GM or, you know, so into role-playing games, it affects the way you look at things. And it reminded me of when I was a big-time skateboarder. I think I mentioned this before, you know, 80 episodes ago or something, but I was big, big into skateboarding when I was younger, you know. And when you anybody listening to this that skated for any amount of time will know exactly what I'm talking about too. Skateboarding changes your perception of the world because every time you look at a – strip mall or a parking lot or a curb or a ledge or a handrail or stairs or anything like that you're driving in the car or riding in the car and you're looking out the window everything you see you're thinking of it in terms of can i skate this or will this be a place to go skate you know skateboarding completely warps your world view into looking at everything as is this skatable and uh, it's great it's great like that and gaming can do that kind of same kind of thing you know when you're whether it's a tv show or a situation or you read a news story or you look at a, a comic or whatever it is you know it, when you're when you've crossed that line you know when you've crossed that line and gaming is in your blood uh suddenly everything kind of goes through a gaming filter a little bit and so yeah so it's kind of like that um anyway i got one more call and this was from jason on last week's final topic where i was talking a little bit about i've kind of overextended myself in the buying rpg stuff it's sad to say it because you know part of it is getting older and kind of looking at how many campaigns are left (laughs) how many campaigns are left in the tank you know what i mean uh and just uh, you know buying things that you don't use and you know it's uh kind of like an addiction kind of that fear of missing out i don't know what it is but you know i'm kind of, i've kind of crossed that line into where it's like whoa maybe it's time not to back every kickstarter that looks cool to me so let's listen to that hey jason here i know i'm late as always sorry about that been busy week wanted to say when your final topic for the wednesday show I'm with you. <laughs> you know, I dumped over $500 on Zine Quest 3. And I don't know how much of that stuff will ever get used, to be honest. I've got 
boxes that are unopened to gaming stuff. I've got board games still in cellophane. Uh, you, you know, I've got game books I know I'll never play. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel you, and especially the older you get, you look at this stuff, it's like, I'm never going to play all this stuff. And then you worry about, you know, if I don't sell this stuff on my own, then my wife has to deal with it, and it just goes in the dump. You know, she, she can't easily sell this stuff for what it's worth. You know, and that's a burden on her, having all this crap. So, I feel you, man. I, I definitely feel you. Jason, I am right there with you. I am right there with you. Um, now, I will say, I think, and I mentioned this last week, I think I can see myself shifting to still buying the zines. I do kind of get more out of the zines. Like, you know, like I always felt like, oh, box sets. Yeah, box sets. But, you know, with COVID, I haven't really been playing face-to-face, but a little bit with the family, you know. And a box set with all the doohickeys and doodads, that's a face-to-face product. That's not an online. You don't buy these box sets with all the tokens and special this and that. You don't buy that to play online with, you know. Uh, and and so when was when is face-to-face gaming coming back, you know, or is it ever really going to be the same, you know? I think a lot of people built their uh, they're online gaming up with people that are, don't even live near them or anything, or, you know, there's a convenience there of not having to drive, you know, 45 minutes to the game or 45 minutes, you know, so just that face-to-face gaming is something that's, you know, I, you know, not the most common, like when I was a, you know, young, younger person. Um, and yes, uh, so, so as far as zines go, I think I'm still going to zine quest. I think will always be kind of like a magical time, but maybe that'll be my big time of buying stuff per year. You know, I don't know. Cause I still, I get more out of the zines and then I can see, I can see still trying to buy into some solo stuff. Um, you know, because that's something you can always kind of use, maybe trying to make more of a hobby out of that. But, um, but, as far as you're mentioning, eventually getting rid of the stuff. Yeah. I mean, the stuff doesn't belong in a dump. Now I was able to kind of like stocks, buy low, sell high. I was able to buy low on a lot of the stuff. Cause when I got really back into gaming, it was like 2008 or so. And the hobby was having a little bit of a kind of a lull, you know, I guess it's right around fourth edition and it was nowhere near, you know, in all the mass media, you know, nowhere near where it is right now. It was kind of in one of those low points. So when I kind of re- went back and rebought all the stuff that I wanted when I was younger and all the AD&D and all this stuff, I was able to get it really cheap, like almost like the stuff was being thrown out cheap um, in a lot of cases. Um, I don't think I paid more than $10 for any of the AD&D core books when I bought them all, and that's including Unearthed Arcana. Um, I think I got uh, the rules... Um, uh, rules compendium is that what it's called the basic bx rules compendium that came out i think it's the rules compendium um you know that's like a cherished book i think i got that for like 20 bucks you know with the binding intact and everything but anyway i bought a lot of stuff that you know cost cost a lot 
uh, you know, like I got the uh, Castles of Gig box set. You know, that's something that holds its value. You know, I think I paid like 300 bucks for it, which I know is outrageous. But I could still sell that for $300. And, you know, 15 years from now, I, I know I can sell it for more than $300. Um, but who's going to be the one to mess with all that on eBay and everything? So I don't know. Maybe when I get to the point where I can't go up and down our stairs and we're trying to look for a townhouse or something, you know what I mean? When I reach the real salad days uh, or the real, you know, twilight, the twilight of the froth years, maybe that's when I look to sell it. But also my brother, uh, I know I'm way out, you know, we're just talking. That's what a podcast is for, right? My brother, he was, he's always been on the technological edge of everything. Um, he was building computers and stuff back when the internet was young. He knew everything about, you know, chips for gaming and cards and you know he knew he knew he built everybody's computers for them he actually built an, an arcade system where he was big into the mame arcade emulation stuff from way back would track down you know track down pieces of old games from people in japan and stuff so they could emulate the games and he built this shell, you know, he bought a shell from an old arcade game, put a, you know, a TV and a screen in there, built out the, um, the uh, several different kinds of controller and everything, and had this arcade game, you know, in his room, and we lived together uh, back around college age, and, you know, people would come and play on it, you know, he had every video game you can imagine, and ones that you've never seen before, I mean, everything in this one arcade emulator thing that he had built. So just always doing stuff like that. Anyway, he was doing eBay selling stuff way before anybody else that I knew when it was very young. This was back, I guess, before the dot-com crash or right around then. And, um, you know, for years he was doing it, you know, because he knew what kind of chips people wanted, what kind of, you know, cards and things for their computers and, and, uh, and had a whole, like, just kind of side business doing that, you know, for years and years and years. So anyway, the point is, <laughs> maybe I'll put it in my will. Hey, you can keep half the money <laughs> if you sell all this stuff for my wife. Uh, because there's thousands of dollars worth of stuff in there, you know. I mean, some of it's, some of it's trash. Some of it's trash. But a lot of it, there's a lot of gems in there that uh, you can you can get some money back for that you... You don't want to just, I mean, you know, give it all away. Um, you know, we're talking about that much money, but, but anyway, getting way off the topic. So anyway, a couple other things on the intro before we jump in. Uh, first of all, if you want to leave a message like people are doing, you go to anchor.fm forward slash thought eater, click the message button. I'll put you on the show. Love to hear from folks. So anchor.fm forward slash thought eater, leave me a message. I'll play it on the show. If you enjoy the show, if you're like a weekly listener and you're always listening and enjoying it and you're not back in the Patreon, what are you doing? Patreon.com forward slash thought eater. It's only a dollar a month. Only a dollar a month. I could use that dollar now. Patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Going back to show. Want to give a shout out to a new blogger. Peach Muffin is blogging over at Meadows and Unicorns meadows and unicorns.blogspot.com they just got up and running in february and so welcome to the blogosphere peach muffin and then 
I wanted to mention this. Saw this over at the History Blog. It's a history blog I follow. It's conveniently called thehistoryblog.com. This was something that's kind of kind of COVID related, but also gaming related. You know, right when COVID kicked up and the lockdowns first started happening, there were all these kind of virtual tours I was finding links to, something to do with my daughter. And I saw this. There are new virtual tours of eight Rome museums. And these virtual tours are really cool because you actually kind of it's like you're going into the buildings, you know, and you take a left here and you click to the left and it takes you to a different room. They're not all like that, but some of them are. And so these, uh, these museums in Rome, a lot of the, you know, a lot of myself myself and many listeners, I'm sure, are maybe never even going to have the chance in your lifetime to go in these museums in the first place. So it, going in these older museums and everything, uh, even just the architecture can give you some inspiration and just something to do. So I thought that was cool. You know, one of the ones my daughter and I did was this White House tour, which was really cool because you can actually, you know, look up at the ceiling and go into every room. So so anyway, over at the History Blog, new virtual tours of eight Rome museums. Those links are under the intro tab. Maps of the week. All right, let's look at some maps. I got some killer map stuff up for y'all, as always. First, I saw one over at the Cartographer's Guild from their February-March light challenge. The Tower of Grecolis. And this is from Exploring Map. And this is one that kind of fits in the sort of Dice and Logos world, maybe. But what I like about it, it's got a kind of like a mage tower. And it's got like the image... Of, of it that you would see like outside and then it's got the multi-level you know kind of battle maps or floor plans and it's all black and white and it's done kind of like it's on a parchment map or something with a little key really like it so check that out another one I, i've been talking about lester's ramble they've been doing all these free adventures using matt jackson's maps and so i thought i'd just fig- feature a straight up matt jackson map from their site msjx.org the Floundering Queen, it's an N. They've got a little bit of flavor and everything for you to go with it over at the link at the site. But I like uh, Matt's style a lot, so I'll put that up. And then finally, this was extra cool. Someone I follow on Twitter, Gnarled Monster. Gnarled Monster did a version of the Caves of Chaos, you know, B2 classic keeps on, Keep on the Borderlands, Caves of Chaos. They did a cool sort of isometric drawing of it, and they did this kind of where it's like a business card. You can have the Caves of Chaos on a business card because one side has the the map that you'll recognize kind of immediately looking at it, and and I've got that up. And then also on the flip side, they did kind of an abridged. Now, it'd be maybe too small on a business card, but one side of a piece of paper and another, you can get away with it. But it's got kind of a um, abbreviated version of the the keys to all the different caves and everything, and I thought this was really cool. So, check it all out. Special guest. All right. So joining the podcast today, we have Mark Reed, the self-described head dwarf of Noble Dwarf, a game company that, amongst other things, creates 3D printed accessories for RPGs. Their latest project, The Magical Draught of Malice, is currently on Kickstarter. Mark Reed, welcome to the show. 
Hey, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to talking with you about your project and about 3D printing, but uh, why don't you go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about what Noble Dwarf does. So I uh, started printing a long time ago doing the normal uh, PTA t-shirts and things like that as a, as a printer and got tired of that. A buddy of mine turned me back into D&D &D and we decided to build a full custom print shop for everyone. So you can upload your own art through our website, get it printed on 100-year gallery canvas, t-shirts, mugs, like anything like that. You can put your player's uh, character art on a wanted poster to really add some depth to your game. And that spread to 3D printing and props, which led us to actual toy making. So now we're developing our own world and all the wonderful things that can come with that. Oh, that sounds awesome. I love the idea of uh, kind of uploading your own stuff and, and doing different things with it. Now, the 3D printing is one of the primary reasons I wanted to, you know, one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about because when 3D printing that kind of you started hearing about that, you know, whatever, a couple of decades ago, I guess now, I, I have to admit, I kind of lacked vision of, of where it could go. But now more recently, I've seen, uh, I saw a news piece about a, a, an entire home that was 3D printed, I believe in like New Jersey, you know, and, the you know, a massive wait list to, to try to purchase it. Uh, you know, with the lumber prices the way they are now, I saw that just the increased price of lumber is adding like $24,000 to the cost of construction of a new home. And so you can see uh, like the deflationary possibilities of 3D printed homes, the technology being used for manufacturing and everything else. From your perspective, you know, where do you see it going with gaming and just since you kind of work with that medium in general? Oh, that's great. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you what really got me thrilled about 3D printing was a TED Talk where they 3D printed a kidney. They can take your cells and print a kidney that you don't have to take rejection meds for, and that blew my mind. And once I saw that, I knew that 3D printing was something I had to get into. Now, obviously, I'm not a medical person, so I went with what I know, which is games. And here, it's amazing. I am able to prototype things before they go to factory. Uh, I'm able to produce things one off. So we have a like our Orpheric line, which is a great eye monster, and they come in seven different varieties. But as a game company, I could never afford to go to that with factory for the sales numbers I'm getting, if that makes sense. It does. So yeah. 3D printing has a long, uh, a long history in front of it, is what I would say. Yeah, some of the projections for some of the companies I saw are, are, are kind of unbelievable. Um, be, but part of it is that they're able to kind of continuously update the software without people having to buy new machines. You might hear, hear my cat in the background. Uh, 3D printing gets her rolled up. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, you know, and for 
you know, really hard to manufacture pieces and stuff like that, that would be, you know, really time, you know, take a lot of time and, and labor and everything to be able to kind of uh, almost, you know, mass produce it and produce it so quickly via 3D printing, it promises to be, you know, increasingly disruptive. So I think for people out there listening that might not know anything about 3D printing, you know, over the next decades, it's it's going to be, you know, everywhere. So the the industry as a whole just took a leap forward. Uh, they f have now pretty much gone to a monocolor screen, uh, which gives you crisper details and a much faster cure time. Uh, the every company out there now has a larger 3D printer uh available at reasonable prices i think that it's a hobby and that a lot of wonderful things can come from so i mean do you have a technology background or i mean how did how, how would somebody that you know you know how did you just kind of get into to it how did you approach that and learn about it well there's a lot of uh, great resources 3d printing pro on YouTube is a, a place that I go to for references. He does a lot of great testing and, and things like that. So there are people in the industry now or, or in the hobby, I should say, that are doing all the hard work for you. And if you can just do the research and, and get in there, 3D printing is messy and you have to have good ventilation and, and they're chemicals. So it's it's not for everyone to do. But if you have the space and the time, it's a fun thing. It's really cool, especially like for me, where I, I thought of this, and then I had a sculptor sculpt it, and then I could print it and it's in my hand. And from my childhood, I would have never imagined that that would be a possibility in my lifetime. It is amazing. Uh, like I was mentioning, looking at this 3D printed house, you know, it's 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 printing out these almost kind of layers. It almost looked like layers of toothpaste stacked on each other of the concrete. But the home itself ends up a fraction of the cost. And you really think uh, the applications for it could, in, in a lot of areas, kind of solve some of the, um, you know, the, the, inflated home prices that we're seeing right now and it's just to, to kind of think of where that could take you down the line uh it's pretty incredible absolutely i like you're saying here domestically and, and globally we could solve the housing crisis but i will bet money that a robot will land on mars and 3d print something before people land on mars to walk into it <laughs> that's awesome now, see, you're, now we're, we're not only getting some real world stuff, but also some gaming inspiration, possibly, right? <laughs> right. So, I, I probably everybody knows about the eight ball, like a magic eight ball, where you kind of shake it up or twist it and turn it around and you kind of get a, 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 an answer to the question. Uh, I even have one for a, a D20. And looking at your project on Kickstarter, the magical drought draw of malice uh it, it it's it's something similar to that will you describe what 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 the prod uh what the product is for listeners and and kind of how that random uh, aspect fits into it 
Sure, thanks. Uh, the Magical Draft series is uh, potion bottles that contain a D20, because that's what's inside of a Magic 8-Ball, so you get 20 random answers. And instead of vague answers, we put potion names. Uh, and then we created cards that gave a description of what those potions were, but the really the neat thing we love about it is that you can have so many different versions of the same potion to actually fit your game. Uh, I have 10 different versions of Hag's Breath, uh, all the way from something that'll kill you down to halitosis and bad charisma checks. So you, you ramp it up to be what your game needs. And the magical draft of Malice is 20 evil potions. Uh, and our last one, the happenstance, was 10 good, 10 bad. Uh, this one is all evil, and it comes in a beautiful skull bottle uh, that just looks amazing on the on the shelf. So it's a display piece. It's a game piece. You can even use it in LARP or cosplay. And that has 20 poisons in it. We've just finished up the cards on those and the packaging, and we're 70% funded on Kickstarter right now with 12 days to go. Yeah, and I'm hoping to turn some more eyes to this because, uh, like you mentioned, it is a really cool, not just for use in the games, but it's it's cool for people that like props and just like kind of gaming-related stuff to be sitting on their shelves and everything. And um, so, and I, and I love the random element too. So th these would be good gifts to your to your GM. Hint, hint. If any of my players are listening, <laughs> so so. Um, it looks like I guess you've done a, a number of different Kickstarters in the past. Then is that correct? This is our fourth. Yes. Okay. And I really like the video you did for this. Uh, folks should check out this video if you want to see more about it. You kind of have some special effects going on with that. So we were uh, lucky cool. enough to work with a, a great uh, videographer, Selena, and she did an amazing job, wrote out our script, shot everything, uh, and did it all the way across the country because she's in Boston and I am not. So it was like a, a, a real feat for, for them to bring that together and, and it was a great job. So how does, you know, um, the use of 3D printing and everything, you talked about it a little bit, but on a project like this, Without that, would this be something that would be even feasible for you to try to do, or how does it, how does it help you to be able to, you know, to even run a project like this? So uh, our short answer is uh, no. I really don't think I'd be doing any of this if I wasn't three D printing and able to have these in my hand to adjust. Our first bottle, the shape of it, lent itself to a smaller size. And so when we designed the Malice, we thought, okay, we'll keep them all the same size. And that was not practical or, or feasible rather uh, because of the space of the inner chamber. We would not have known that if we weren't able to 3D print it. I mean, we would have seen it in a CAD, but it's not, it's not the same. Uh, 3D printing really does help us prototype everything uh, to the nth and to be able to clean it up. <clears throat> well, I think that um, for other um, creators out there that are thinking about working in this space, uh, hopefully listening to this has maybe given them some, you know, food for thought on checking out the, you know, the 3D printing technology and having a look at it and seeing what is possible. 
Um, I'm going to have links up to your Noble Dwarf site where, amongst other things, there are a series of really unique uh, miniatures that you've got up there, or a lot of kind of unusual beholders and stuff like that that I think people might be interested in. Also, uh, being able to upload your own images and kind of create your own, um, you know, uh, templates, I suppose, and things for to be printed. And then I'll also have a link up to your Kickstarter. And I wish you really good luck with it. Uh, like I say, I think these would make, uh, you know, not only cool for use at the table, but would make good gifts for people, you, uh, you know, for the, for the GM that has everything, this would be something kind of unusual and unique that you could give them. Thanks. That's what we were hoping for. We, we want to elevate the game, your game, everybody's game with these cool things that you can inject and that are just a little bit more. So I really appreciate you having me on to talk about it and, and promoting it. Well, it's my pleasure. I like, uh, you know, obviously my, my whole show is centered around boosting, <laughs> boosting people and boosting folks. And I just, I, I, I uh, uh, the 3d printing stuff is endlessly fascinating to me and you're doing a lot of cool stuff with it. So thanks for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Hump day bloggerama. All right. So that was awesome having Mark on the show. Uh, enjoyed the conversation quite a bit. And uh, like I mentioned, I've got links up both to their Kickstarter as well as the Noble Dwarf site. So be sure and check that out. As of this podcast, um, it's only got a couple days left. So, you know, if you like these kind of magic eight ball type things, this is kind of a cool twist on that with the uh, random potion generator. And, uh, and so uh, anyway, I, I, I enjoyed talking with Mark. So thanks Mark for being on the show. Good luck with everything. And um, yeah. So let's talk about some cool blog stuff. There was a bunch, there was a bunch and from some blogs that maybe I, I don't typically, you know, that haven't come up very often, if at all. So starting over the, a night at the opera blog, night at the opera.blogspot.com really enjoyed this post let me see if i've got a name for the person that did it though long post dwiz khalifa and this is called an incomplete history of mazes and rpgs and so they're talking about ways different major uh, um, mazes got used in different games they go through a variety of different dungeons they talk about everything from modern stuff like the rise of tiamat to Legend of Zelda, to uh, what else we got on here? Uh, the the Labyrinth Adventure game that came out recently that I still don't have a copy of. Uh, stuff from this game, 17th Century Minimalist, and all these different approaches to mazes and games. It made me think about the Pharaoh uh, module, um, and I'm blanking who it was done by. I know it was the same people that did uh, the same duo that did Ravenloft. Um, but great adventure, but the maze in there, oh my gosh, you want to talk about something that's impossible to run. I'll basically just skip the, skip the maze, you know, the labyrinth maze in there, but maybe I won't after looking through this, but this is a really long, well-researched post with a lot of different and kind of examples and thoughts. Great post. So, um, again, a night at the opera blog. Uh, an incomplete history of mazes and RPGs. Really good post. Be sure and check that out. Remember that all the links we talk about 
are up over at the Thought Eater blog. So uh, you want to find this stuff all handy dandy for you. Just Google Thought Eater blog and you'll find it. Okay, over at the Retired Adventurer blog, they did a review of Downcrawl and Skycrawl, both by Aaron Reed. And this is, I don't have a name for, for the blogger here. But anyway, retiredadventurer.blogspot.com. Two interesting sounding projects. Downcrawl contains rules for generating and administering an Underdark campaign built on point crawl principles. The P PCs move in abstracted journeys between sites with tools for generating complications and encounters on the journeys. So kind of a point crawl thing for the Underdark. Skycrawl has more to do with floating islands in the sky. And so they give it a, a an interesting, you know, sound like interesting product uh, products. They've got links up to check them out. Uh, so reviewing two products I had not heard of, Downcrawl and Skycrawl. So check that out. Over at the Bell of Lost Souls blog, belloflostsouls.net, great post. D&D, &D, animated specials and other worlds. Now we're all familiar, or most of us, those of us of a certain age are familiar with the D&D &D cartoon. Uh, I actually saw the D&D &D cartoon before I ever played D&D. &D. Um, but anyway, they're talking about uh, animated shows, cartoons, and everything that have not necessarily D&D because they can't call it D&D because of uh, copyright or whatever, but very close to D&D &D games. And they've actually got the YouTube uh, videos up for these. So one from like Dexter's Laboratory, they play a game called Monsters and Mazes. From Teen Titans Go, uh, they're, they're playing a game in there. From Gravity Falls, um, from the regular show. Some of these are shows I'm not really familiar with, but I, 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 I admit that I'm um, kind of out of the loop when it comes to new cartoons. I do know Teen Titans because my, my daughters watch that. It's actually a pretty good cartoon. So anyway, if you want to see some D&D likes and some recent cartoons... I thought that was a cool post. D&D &D Animated Specials in Other Worlds over at Bell of Lost Souls. And that is J.R. Zambrano blogging over there. A couple of things from Geek Native that kind of show us we're sort of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel uh, from this COVID thing. Free RPG Day, which is typically a summer thing. Uh, it was canceled completely last year. At least I think it was. Yeah, it had to have been. Um, but yeah, so it didn't happen at all last year. Uh, and then now it is confirmed for this year, but instead of the typical time in June, it is going to be happening in October, October 16th. So hoping we're kind of all clear at that point. So I really miss uh, Free RPG Day. Um, I, our local game shop here in Athens, Tyke's Games, uh, Sean over there does a great job. One of the greatest. Uh, we're really blessed with a great local game shop here. And um, they always participate and do good stuff. So, um, you know, I, I'll definitely be out there to support Sean and, and throw down some money on something there, too. I, I, I never go to free RPG day and just pick up the stuff. you got to spend some money at the game shop. That's the, that's the point. So. Uh, I'll go out there and find something out there. I'm sure that I'll that I'll like. So I got a link up about that. Now I'm cool with going to Free RPG Day, but I'm not so sure about the conventions just yet. I am vaccinated. Haven't gotten the second vaccine yet, 
But, I mean, even at the best of times, you walk away from these conventions with the con crud and all that. Uh, so Gen Con 2021 has rescheduled, but it's like reduced. So it looks like some of it's going to just be online and then kind of pop-ups at different um, uh, uh, game stores and something. And that's going to be happening in September. Uh, but it says there'll be a capped attendance with a modified format in which Gen Con Online will run simultaneously with events and live streams events at local game stores so sounds like they're they're trying to to make it happen and you know maybe in a different way you know maybe it'll be a whole nother year or so before you know or in, towards the winter or something before conventions can really happen but it does mention the uk games expo still hopes to run from july 30th to august but i don't know i mean i'm seeing today even on the news uh uh a lot of our european brothers and sisters are having some, some, some issues with the Vax rollout and some more lockdowns happening. So I, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. I think everybody's getting a little bit ahead of themselves with, uh, you know, this, this rebound, you know, I think people are having a little bit of wishful thinking about how quick, you know, it's not like turning on a light switch and all of a sudden COVID's over and everything. Um, so we'll see what happens. But anyway, those are both over at Geek Native. If you want to check that out. This was a post that I saw a lot of people talking about this week over at Dreaming Dragon Slayer. And it's a post called Duels Using Player Skill. And so Dreaming Dragon Slayer had this idea uh, kind of like for like a, a, a duel. Um, you could do this with any kind of duel. It mentions like a samurai duel or it could be something like Mortal Kombat or even, uh, you know, I, I think you could use it um with a western game or anything like that and it's a very different kind of approach instead of using dice or anything like that the players the two people dueling stare each other in the eye and maybe have either a stopwatch or a you know a phone with a stopwatch on it you can't look at your phone can't look at the watch you just look at each other in the eye no counting no speaking no nothing and you press start at the same time and then whoever gets closest to 10 seconds without being under 10 seconds wins the duel. And so uh, it, it says, uh, so the closest to 10 seconds without going under wins the duel. If one is under while the other is over, the one that's over wins the duel, no matter how far over they are. If both are under 10, then whoever is lower wins the duel. And so, and, and that, you know, so it's a completely different approach. I mean, like nothing, you know, and, and that and people really responded to it. I really like the idea. It's really taking a completely, you know, we were talking about innovation and that kind of thing. That is an innovative and unexpected mechanic to th kind of throw in the game um, that, that you can tell there's going to be a good feeling to that, right? Uh, I can imagine the whole table responding to that. Um uh, so uh, it's just something cool. So anyway, check that out. That's duels using player skill over at Dreaming Dragon Slayer. Very interesting idea. I've brought up Paleo Logos OSR Grimoire blog numerous times. This will probably end up being a Hump Day Hall of Famer uh, here at some point. But Paleo Logos, I mentioned a few weeks ago they were going back talking about B1 and Search of the Unknown 
arguably the greatest intro D&D adventure ever published, and they've still been working on it. They've been doing all these posts about it, and they did a couple over the last week or so that were both really good, one called B1 Derivative Works and another B1 Sequels to the Unknown. So this adventure is so popular that it's actually had several spinoffs, derivative works that have come from it, and they go through those on the one post. Um, stuff for Dungeon World, uh, stuff for Labyrinth Lord, uh, Hackmaster, a bunch of stuff, and then also ones that are direct sequels, and a lot of these, I believe, Pace Setter did, and uh, but other companies too. Um, so anyway, just some more spinoffs from that B1 stuff, and you know that's one of the great things about Paleo Logos when they tackle a topic they really give you as much information as you can possibly imagine about it with a lot of links and a lot to think about so go back over their last several posts and they've really just been celebrating and take a very taking a very deep dive into the classic b1 module and finally on the blogs this is at the world of eridu blog world of eridu.blogspot.com see if i got a name here this is dale over there and they've got an idea on how to write an awesome trap. It's not about mechanics, it's about style. So these are their ideas on traps. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase. You go and read it because read it, they've got good reasoning behind this. First of all, to kind of make it obvious. You know, uh, they, they mentioned if your pit traps are hidden, uh, it, then everyone's going to carry a 10-foot pole and every five minutes they're going to be tapping the floor or whatever. So they're talking about making traps obvious or their effects obvious. Show the players a trap or give them a big clue. Um, you know, you see a bunch of human skulls littering the hallway or something. You know what I mean? Uh, so that, imply that a trap's there. But then don't write a solution. Let the players come up with a solution to the trap. Think about how the trap works, certainly, but kind of go with what the players decide. So, uh, you know, if the players say that, say you've got a hallway a la Indiana Jones that's going to shoot, um, you know, shoot out you know, some blades at you or something, you know, and if the players say they're going to run and dodge their way through, you can do that on the fly with maybe a dexterity check. If they crawl, you maybe come up with a mechanic to that. And then they say to make them want to mess with it. Uh, if, and so, uh, you know, it's got some ideas to kind of encourage them to want to interact with the, with the trap. And then there's some other ideas about how to use them, uh, having your traps actually maim, using monsters as traps, you know, and then some examples. So it's, it's, it's a good post, uh, an interesting approach. Um, to kind of try to make traps more fun. You know, a lot of people just pull them out of their games altogether uh, and don't mess with them um, because they feel like, you know, the old school way of like, okay, there's a trap here on a one, the trap's just going to go off. You don't really have a chance to to prevent the trap from happening. And then you get into some of the thief rules and some people have issues with that and, and kind of, anyway, I could go on and on about it but some interesting ideas about how to write an awesome trap uh, that I actually thought were some pretty cool ideas, and you might as well. Random tables. All right, so let's roll on some random tables. This first post is not something I'm going to roll on. I just wanted to share it. The great Gabor Lux over at the Beyond Fomalhaut blog, beyondfomalhaut.blogspot.com 
put up. I mean, this is like right up my alley, y'all. Great tables of D and D history. So it's got uh, all of the elements of a of a classic, you know, froth post here. Um, it's got random tables. It's got history of gaming, and it's got a kind of conglomeration of a bunch of different things. So uh, this post was kind of made for me over here. Great tables of D&D history. They're going back through a number of tables that they consider some of the best of all time. Stuff from the Tome of Adventure Design, uh, a online wilderness generator, um, obviously the 1E DMG, no list would be complete without that. Stuff from uh, old uh, Judges Guild stuff. And Anyway, so you know if you're a random table fan, this is one not to miss. This has got everything. This is a great, great post. So check that out. Then I'm going over to check out what Red Kangaroo is doing at the library of Atnam blog, atnam.blogspot.com. Even more magical trinkets. The third in their series of D50 magical trinkets. So the third in the series. I don't have a D50, so I'm going to do D100 and let ones and twos be ones and all that kind of jazz. Let's see. Okay, so that's a two. Uh, a bottle of liquid soul. Pour the potion on something to grant it sentience. If you first add a little piece of brain into the potion, the newly sentient object will inherit memories from it. You could also drink it, I guess. A bottle of liquid soul. Let's do another one of these. Okay, so that's going to be uh, 47. A ruined candle pierced with a rusty needle. Anyone touched by its light is blinded. A ruined candle pierced with a rusty needle that can blind you. Let's do one more on here. 50 magical trinkets. Uh, 14. A scroll of, of advertisement. Every time it's read, it contains the directions to the nearest shop. May burn up if used too often. Scroll of advertisement. Little magical trinkets. Not much to them. They're trinkets. Anyway, 50 of these, and it's the third in their list. So Red Kangaroo doing some creative things over at the Library of Atnam. And then how about this one? Chris Headley over at the Matrix Ghost Transmissions blog. Matrixghosttransmissions.blogspot.com. I don't know if I've featured this one before. Um, but they're doing sketches of Calyx. They're in progress, City of Calyx setting, three city districts. And we're going to look at some of the features. Let's go to their bizarre district and look at the tents. Let's roll on the tents of the bazaar, see what the tent looks like. Uh, it's vibrant blue, orange, and yellow. There's a pit dug below with a ladder leading to a stall. Workers dig even deeper as the vendor conducts business below. So they've got kind of an underground tent. You gotta take a ladder down to it. The food of the bazaar, what kind of food can I find in this place? Is it like a uh, Renaissance fair? What they got going on? Uh, lizard jerky. 
<laughs> Yum. Uh, how let's do one more on here. Oh no, a honey glazed dog leg. Ah, this is the worst food ever. Uh, let's do another merchant stall. Let's see. Um, a map merchant and scribe. Buy some maps. Come for the maps. Stay for the dog leg. <laughs> Uh, all right, and finally, the people of the bazaar. Who else is out here eating dog leg? Mom? Uh, let's see. Twin women in peacock feather dresses, standing on stilts, juggling knives, and flaming torches. Their trained monkeys pick pockets during the performance. You know what? When the monkey tries to pick my pocket, I might just slip them the dog leg. Zine Club. All right, a few zine-related things. Not much this week, just a few things. Ray Otis is reviewing Delve, uh, which is a solo mapping adventure zine uh, that they enjoyed. And they say they put it at the top end of the, one, of the solo games that they've played over the years. So that's a strong, positive review from Ray Otis over the Viridian Scroll blog on Delve, and Delve is by Anna Blackwell. And so they put up one post kind of reviewing it, and then they put up another of a short play example uh, that shows uh, kind of, you know, their journaling and their mapping that they're doing with the game. So that looks really cool. So be sure and check that out. Shout out to Ray too. Hope you're doing all right, Ray, if you're listening. And then over at Geek Native, uh, they did a review of another one that came out. This came out for uh, Zine Quest 2. Shadow of Mog, a post-Brexit RPG. And so this is obviously kind of a satirical Brexit sort of thing. Um, in the post-apocalyptic London underground, characters hide from a disaster known only as the event. It must not be discussed. And... It says the themes are uh, you explore the impact of mob rule on democracy, the fragility of hope, and the banality of evil. They also mention that what sets it apart from any other games is the systems group resolution mechanics. So the group resolution mechanics include a voting method that tests democracy to determine success. So it's kind of a group voting method mechanic. So it sounds interesting. Obviously, there's some satire there and social commentary. Shadow of Mog. Check it out. Free stuff. All right. Just a few free things this week. I mean, maybe there was more and I just didn't notice it. I try to pay as much attention as I can. There's already been some free stuff that I've gotten mentioned, too. Why am I apologizing? It's free. Sheesh. Lay off. All right, Van, okay, Lester's Ramble, Vance A, always doing something. This week is no different. Free PDF adventure, The Hidden Garden of Ildar. Vance A is on a roll, uses another Matt Jackson map. So check it out. Speaking of on a roll, you know Hodag did something. Hodag RPG. If you didn't hear Hodag on the show, uh, that, I think it was just last week. Time does fly, but just last week I had Hodag on the show. They've got another one of their pamphlet games, Hi-Ho, Down to Appletown, and the Ruins of Pibrock. Hi-Ho, Merrily Down to Appletown. Let's go and check that out. 
And then shout out to Polyhedral Nonsense, polyhedralnonsense.com, MicroDuel, RPG Dueling Rules on a Business Card. We're already talking about dueling rules. They've got a different version of, of, a du of dueling mechanics here. Uh, and this is for that business card RPG Jam I've been talking about. So you can download MicroDuel over at itch. Now this one is, it's pay what you want. So, you know, you can download it for free, but if you dig it, be sure and chip in a few bucks for polyhedral nonsense over there. The final topic. All right, so for the final topic, you know, we were already talking with Mark Reed about 3D printing and everything. <clears throat> I thought I'd make for the final topic, innovation in gaming, you know? Uh, because I've been thinking about these disruptive technologies and stuff lately, electric vehicles, uh, all this genomic stuff they're doing, like this CRISPR stuff with gene editing and all this, 3D printing, all these kind of disruptive sorts of next level technologies and stuff. You know, uh, one cool thing about being born when I when I was, you know, I saw the rise and of the personal computer. I saw video games go from Pong to what there is now. And now there's all these other things that uh, hopefully I'll live long, long enough to see. But, uh, but anyway, just like anything else, the tabletop RPG space has had tons of innovation. Now, the funny thing about it though, is that you can experience tabletop RPGs uh, without having ever participated or paid even any attention to if you didn't want to any of these innovations to begin with like there are plenty of people that maybe just bought the OD&D box set and they've just worked with that for forever you know if you've got your books and your dice you know you you're, no one's you know you, you can just work with that and you know be completely devoid of innovation and it's kind of in the same way it's sort of like you can spend all this money like uh like like froth has done you can spend a small fortune on gaming or you can game completely for free like if you have a phone you can get a dice app you can download a free pdf of say labyrinth lord and then i could shoot you over to a site like dragon's foot or something where it's got you know 50 plus adventures campaign setting stuff dozens of magazines and stuff to where even if you're a young person it's more than enough uh gaming material you know just on one site probably to last you a lifetime and you'll never spend a thin dime so you can you can game for free or you can spend some money in the same way you can you can play game the old school analog way forever or you can participate in some of these innovations so i thought i'd look back at some of the stuff um and you know first of all just rpgs in themselves are an innovation right um you know coming from a wargaming background uh certainly it's not just gygax and arneson you look at things like david wesley's brownstein and, and some of those other things that kind of came together uh, but taking it from maybe one miniature representing, you know, 50 or 100 or 10, 10 people uh, and taking it down to one person playing one character and everything. Uh, RPGs are in and of themselves are an innovation. But then you look over time 
and there's certainly all kinds of things like the in third edition the the open gaming license was a huge innovation that allowed so many third-party publishers and companies to produce material for the game and really was like a revolution and that led to the osr the old school renaissance where you had people be able to take games that have been out of print for years um, repackage them and make their own materials for them and that spun off into you know who knows how many products and everything so so you've got that kind of that kind of innovation and along those lines is the self-publishing with uh, printing options to do your own printing online retailers to support you and this is no different than things like etsy and and, and everything else you're able to do your it reminds me a lot of uh the music business you know i've played in bands and stuff for years and again to go back to how old i am when i was playing in a band you know for a while it was still the whole model of you know you go pay a lot of money to go to a recording studio you know because it's so expensive to to, to record all the stuff you needed, you know, reel to reel tapes and everything. This was not even digital back then. Um, to record a demo, to maybe get signed on some label and all this kind of stuff. And then it's slow. I watched it change to home recording with Pro Tools and digital software, uh, websites and everything, MP3s coming out, you know, to where you can. Uh, up you know upload and sell your own music and be your own record label i watched all this stuff change and it's the same way with uh, a lot of very <clears throat> very close similarities with the gaming industry um so you know you're able to just put your own stuff out there sites now like itch you know make it so easy uh for you to not only put your stuff out there but make money on it other companies doing print on demand and everything else, you know, it's amazing. And it's, uh, so between that and the open gaming license, that's really, you know, completely revolutionized the industry and major innovations there. Another innovation like the online character builder, you know, you look at stuff like uh, hero lab for, for pathfinder and the, the game, uh, the character builder for fourth edition, which was great. Um, and then now D and, uh, D and D beyond, you know, a lot of people just using the D and D beyond app in place of the books and, uh, using that for a character builder, you know, and I know other games have these kind of things too, generators and stuff like that, but that's another innovation, particularly with these games that are a little bit more complex. You've got, you know, feet in one book, you've got the character species you're playing or whatever in another book you've got the class in another book you know instead you have it all in one place and for like fourth edition this was so great because there was so much material you know thousands of feats and everything to have it in one place was really a necessity um, and then maybe the biggest innovation of all is the ability to run games and play games online uh, would D and D have grown? I mentioned last week D and D grew 33% in sales last year during COVID. No way that happens without online gaming through things like Roll Twenty and Fantasy Grounds. And now there's, it took a little while, but now there's more and more systems 
you know, trying to come out to let you play online. Um, but you know, whether you're just can play on zoom or Microsoft teams or whatever, but, but anyway, online gaming, major, major innovation. And that of course has led to streaming games where people like Matt Colville or, uh, what's the, the really popular critical role can build their whole, build a whole industry and brand based on streaming. You know, just like with uh, and people doing YouTube shows and everything else. So all these kind of innovations have happened. Um, and, and a lot of these technologies and concepts and everything, you can see how they apply to other industries and, and everything else. So what's the question? The question is, what are the next innovations? Like, where do you see it going? Do you have any ideas of where it's going? We talked about 3D printing. Um, I, and there, there are a couple of posts that tied into this. One was over at Gnome Stew, John Arcadian talking about digital gaming changed me. I don't think I'm ever going back to minis. You can check that out. And then this other thing, I saw this again at Geek Native, but I saw it in other places. Monty Cook Games uh, coming out with a new type of RPG product, The Darkest House. And this is still on Kickstarter right now. Now, Monty Cook Games, I have to say, is one of the more, in my mind, is one of the more innovative RPG companies. You know, for one thing, with PDFs, nobody does a PDF like Monty Cook Games. They've got just, I mean, they, that it's, it's required, before you hyperlink your PDF, you should check out one of uh, the Monty Cook Games PDFs. They've got little bits of info in the margin to take you, you know, to give you information where, where you can find, you know, a keyword or something related. And the, the PDFs just work, you know, I really prefer print, but if I'm going to use a PDF, you get spoiled with a Monty Cook uh, Games PDF. That's how really good they are. But there are other innovations they've done. Like uh, you look at something like the Invisible Sun game. It's really a boutique, boutique game. It's, it's a, you know, I think the list price was like a couple hundred dollars. There was a lot of people complaining about the price. But with that game, you're kind of buying an experience because when you originally bought it, there was some kind of subscription mod or, or whatever where Monty Cook would actually, you know, the game company, where they would send you, send you little bits uh, of the campaign and stuff like mail order as you're running it and the game was made to to have uh mechanics where you could and i don't know too much about it i didn't never bought it surprised myself that i didn't buy it but uh you you have game you know the gaming session but other little bits of games that can happen away from the session between one player and the gm and conversation or texting back and forth or whatever so it's working in an innovative sort of space and then uh, now with this new project, The Darkest House, uh, it is just made to be, it, it's not a physical product at all. It is made just to completely be run on your computer. There are a couple of PDFs, but there's also like an app that just the GM uses that allows them to uh, easily use hyperlinks, uh, post stuff on whatever site you're using and this kind of thing. And so that's somewhere, and I haven't dug too deeply into it, but that's somewhere you can sort of see things going. I remember uh, recently talking about the 
what happened to Alice game, I think, or Alice is Missing was the name of the game that had sort of innovative mechanics where you're maybe using your, your phone and stuff for parts of it. And then here you have something that's a uh, role-playing game, but it's, it's working, you know, through technology. It's made just to work with technology instead of, you know, your book and your dice, you know? So maybe we see more of that. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, so, so where do you see innovation taking RPGs? If you want to call in on the show, and you have any ideas about what do you think is coming next or where you see some of these trends taking us, um, again, anchor.fm forward slash thought eater. You can leave me a message. But either way, this Kickstarter has got just a few days left. If you want to check that out, I've got the links up. And yeah, innovation in gaming. Outro. All right, that is the show for this week. And I forgot an innovation. I forgot one. Uh, Kickstarter, crowdfunding. And I just saw that Itch is doing now a new thing, Itch funding. So if you don't want to use Kickstarter, you can fund your stuff on Itch. So crowdfunding has been another huge innovation that's led to lots of products coming out that that otherwise wouldn't. So, So, yeah, lots of stuff, lots of stuff. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show this week. I enjoyed putting it together for you. Lots of great stuff. Remember, all these links are over at the Thought Eater blog. Special thanks to Mark Reed for dropping by. And uh, yeah, uh, haven't thought of a topic for 5-Minute Friday yet, but I will. I will. If you've got any comments on anything we talked about today, remember you go to anchor.fm forward slash thought eater and leave a message. I want to ask you again, if you are a frequent listener of the show, you want to support the show. It's, it's only a dollar a month. You know, there's a $1 tier and a $5 tier, but if you're listening every week, I'm asking for your support. You go to patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Thank you so much. The folks that are backing me over there, y'all know, I appreciate you. So, uh what else i think i got like a funny meme or something under the outro tab for you but other than that i can't think of much else can't think of much else so i think we'll leave it there and we'll let logan take us away with a funky beat sickly platypus a psychic grenade zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind. Boom, 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 boom.